How's it going, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for the defensive line. And this is episode number 133. And we are so glad you're joining us today, whether you're a first-time listener or been with us since the beginning. Thank you for checking us out today. We had a great response to last week's episode with Coach Nima Bebahani. Uh, he's the assistant linebackers coach at Louisiana Tech. Uh, we talked some linebacker play. So if you haven't had a chance to hear that one yet, go and give that one a listen after this one is over. Coach Bebahani did a great job last week. And again, I want to thank him uh, for coming on and joining us. This week, we cast our net out pretty far to pull in today's guest. Uh, today, we scratch off another state off the list as we welcome on New Hampshire University defensive ends coach and special teams coordinator, Garrett McLaughlin on today. So if you're listening to us today from the New England area or maybe New York State where Coach is from, welcome. We are uh, based out of Texas where I'm a high school football coach, but I love talking to guys from different parts of the country. So today is a real treat. Uh, before we get to our conversation with Coach McLaughlin, I, I do need to tell you about our two podcast sponsors whom we are partnering with for this season of KYPD, with the first being our coaching network. So you guys are no doubt doing things this spring to better yourself as a coach. Maybe you're reading some books, uh, visiting with other coaching staffs, attending clinics, or maybe even listening to podcasts like this one. Well, all those are great, but you should also do what I do and head over to Our Coaching Network, create an account, and have access to quality live clinics going off every week, all of which are added to a library that can be accessed at any time. This week on Our Coaching Network, you've got a defensive line clinic going off tonight. That's Tuesday night led by the Akron defensive line coach, I believe. A clinic on cornerback play tomorrow night, Wednesday night. And then on Thursday night, they have a couple of graduate assistant talks uh, over O-line play and DB play. So something for everyone. So get on over there today, create your account. Now subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week and you can cancel at any time. Start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today at our coaching network. Next up, coaches, are you looking for a way to promote your athletes and athletic programs with professional-looking graphics? Well, then our friends at GoEdit Graphics have got you covered. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. Go to Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check out our Twitter feed today and see the graphic that we posted last night, uh, Monday night, promoting this episode with Coach McLaughlin, that entire graphic was created by me in just a few minutes with Go Edit. I, I was actually uh, in, a, in a hurry. We were getting ready to go uh, leave the house to go do some stuff, and so I just had a few minutes, but I picked a template and the pictures I wanted to use, I changed the colors and the text to what I wanted the graphic to say. And in just a few minutes, I am done. Uh, so the process is super easy. It's user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Feature your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Okay, so as I already mentioned, today we're talking with New Hampshire's Garrett McLaughlin. Coach McLaughlin is in his second season with UNH, coordinating the special teams and coaching the defensive ends. In 2021, both starting defensive ends coached by Coach McLaughlin earned all-conference honors, including Josiah Silver, who led the CAA in sacks and was named second team All-American. The Wildcats finished second overall in the CAA in sacks for the season. For his work with special teams, Coach McLaughlin was named a 2022 special teams coach on the rise by our coaching network, one of our podcast sponsors that we just got done telling you about. 
Uh, anyway, Coach McLaughlin spent the 2021 spring season uh, coaching the running backs with UNH. And prior to UNH, he served as an assistant coach at Bates College for three seasons from 2018 to 2021 as a special teams coordinator and a defensive line coach. Uh, coach also had stops at Wagner College, New Haven, and Buffalo State. Uh, coach McLaughlin graduated from Syracuse University in 2012 and started his coaching career as a student assistant with the Orange. Today, Coach and I dive into special teams talks, specifically talking kickoff strategy, uh, punt, uh, extra point block. Uh, of course, we then get into some D-line play and talk about how Coach approaches film study with his guys uh, during the game week and really have some interesting stuff to talk about there. Uh, Coach uh, has a whole presentation on pass rush that we actually didn't get to in this conversation, but I'll make sure to include uh, his contact information in the show notes of today's episode if you want to contact him and maybe get that from him. Uh, but a lot of great stuff to get to today, so let's dive in. Here is Coach Garrett McLaughlin on episode number 133 of Keep Your Pads Down. Coach McLaughlin coming to us all the way from the great state of New Hampshire. Coach, welcome to the podcast. So glad uh, you could join us today. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Coach, so we're going to, we got a lot of ground to cover today. We're going to talk some special teams, we're going to talk some D line plays, some pass rush. Um, but we always start off things with um, talking about uh, our guest background. Uh, you grew up in New York State. Uh, we were just talking before, before we, we clicked this thing on about, uh, you know, what that experience was like. So talk to us about that, um, what it was like growing up up there. How were you introduced to the game of football? Just fill us in a little bit on your football journey up to this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'll shoot. I, I don't know how, how it compares to, to too much else because that's, that's all I really know. Um, but, you know, was fortunate enough, grew up about five minutes from the Bill Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. Um, and that was really, you know, big NFL fan growing up. Um, you know, and really like when I look back to the roots of like why I love the game now and looking back on it, you know, that's the way that I really bonded with my father and my grandfather, um, you know, both ex-military guys, maybe, maybe a little stoic, maybe a little bit, kept things a little bit close to the vest, but, but we really bonded over being able to watch the Bills play. Um, you know, grew up, started playing in middle school, went through high school, um, wasn't okay, um, average high school football player. Um, had watched Rudy maybe a couple too many times and, and gotten to Syracuse, um, which was, was my dream school. Um, you know, so decided to go there, you know, figured I was going to walk on and, and get carried off the field, you know, four years later. Um, didn't work out that way, probably for the best that it, it didn't um, know what I know now, um, but ended up um, being able to start out in equipment moved to video, then recruiting, and was fortunate enough to be a student assistant coach um, at the end of my time there. Great educational experience in football. Doug Marone was our head coach at the time. Nate Hackett was our offensive coordinator. I mean, two guys who would go on to be NFL head coaches. Um, you know, the guy who really mentored me, um, and really two guys in particular, Scott Schaefer was our defensive coordinator and ended up becoming the head coach there, and then Tim Doust. Uh, was the defensive line coach and ended up being the special teams coordinator, moved, moved around a couple of different places. And I, I could, you know, there were a couple, there were several other guys, Jason Rubberich, Dan Connolly, like who, who really kind of took me under my, took me under their wings and uh, helped show me some stuff, which was, 
was great. Um, great experience there. Had four years at, at Buffalo State. Went back home after I graduated. Was a defensive backs coach there. Um, moved on to the University of New Haven as a linebackers coach. Moved on to Wagner College in New York City as an outside linebackers coach. Went all the way up to Maine um, for three years, two seasons with COVID as the running backs coach and special teams coordinator. Then had the opportunity, started as the running backs coach at here at New Hampshire and then became the defensive ends and special teams coordinator um, last season. And that's continues to be my title to this day. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that sounds really interesting. And I'm always, um, I just have so much respect for guys who kind of break in the doing the student assistant route. We have an ex player uh, who just came back yesterday. Uh, he's on a little bit of a break. He's at as, as Louisiana tech actually as a student assistant and really doing a great job. And, you know, we just always, always like talking to them and just find out what they're doing and how it's going. And, and he, he's working with a different position group. And so um, just talk to us about that process. And, you know, if there are guys who are listening or maybe coaches who have players on their roster who aren't going to be able to play or maybe not be able to play at the next level, but that's an option for them. Like what advice would you give to a, maybe a student considering going that route, the student assistant route? Yeah, I would say, first of all, like, be willing to, to really do it and be willing to sacrifice and, you know, know that you might not be able to do some of the things that, that some of the other students will do, but if you really love the game and you want to be around it, it's totally worth it. Um, you know, I, I kind of look back myself and I'm like, like, should I have played division three football? Like, should I have, you know, done, done what I did and, and why I came out? But, you know, I know I had a lot of cool experiences and again, um, was able to really be, mentor by some awesome coaches but if you're going to do it just understand that you know be ready to be at the beck and call of the coaches be ready to you know do all the grunt work get, get good work in the the coffee machine get really good at working the copier um but you know that experience ended up being really invaluable for me and you know if you get around the right staff and the right group of guys you know it can really set you up to, to have a, a type of career that you know a lot of people dream of you know, so many people, um, and we say this about kids, but if we're being honest, it's it's coaches, it's it's just people in general. Like we want things to happen quickly, right? Like you want to get out of college and go be a coordinator somewhere, or you want, you know, if you're a high school coach, you want to go to a big time job, a big time school, and and uh, you know, be on the the varsity staff, or you want to go be a division one coach, whatever. Um, and so when when you're at that level, you're working your way through as a student assistant. You know, you start. You said you started out in equipment. And you work your way up and work your way up, and then you get in um, from that point to go get a your your own job. Like, what was it specifically that you did to kind of make yourself stand out? To go from obviously you did well enough in equipment to get another task, and you did well enough there. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what was it specifically that you did to kind of make yourself stick out and be viewed as someone who needed to be promoted? Gosh, I, I can't say it was one thing. I would just say persistence and consistency. Like, keep doing the, the tedious, monotonous stuff at a high level over and over and over and over. And eventually, you know, people are going to notice. Also, don't be afraid to, to speak up and, and let people know what your aspirations are. You know, if I didn't tell people that I wanted to coach, I probably, you know, and wanted to have a bigger role in the program, um, you know, people probably wouldn't have known and would have, you know, I just would have gone through equipment, which isn't a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, but, but weren't, weren't my aspirations at the same time. Um, but if I only worried about 
coaching and, and doing all that stuff, then I wouldn't have done a very good job at, at equipment and I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. So it's, you know, being humble enough to, to do whatever task you're assigned at, at a high level and again, do it consistently. Um, and then also have a little bit of, a little bit of courage, a little bit of ability to, to speak up for yourself and, and let it be known like, like where you want to go with it. And, um, you know, if you combine those two things, um, eventually, and I do mean eventually, cause it'll take a while, but you know, you can, you can get the, the kind of opportunities that you're looking for. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. So I'm curious what attracted you to coaching defensive line. You talked about you've coached running backs before. Uh, your coach, your you know your running backs coach when you first got there to New Hampshire. So, what attracted you to coaching defensive line? Gosh, I don't think anything really. It was just opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think that's where I'm different than some people. Maybe like I've never really cared what position I coach. I just love football. Um, you know, there's some things that are unique to defensive line that, that I really appreciate. You know, the physicality of it, the technicality of it. Um, you know beating up on the same guy over and over and over and over and like the level of effort you need to play at consistently and to be able to play at a high level. But like I've, I've coached every position on defense. I've coached running backs for three years. You know, there wasn't one year I was like, ah, oh, gosh, I wish I was coaching something else. Like I, <laughs> I've really like genuinely enjoyed, I just love the game. I think that's why I fell into the special teams coordinator role because while some guys might get a, assignment somewhere in special teams and, and roll their eyes and, and not necessarily want to do it. I just like, it was football. Like it was my job. Like I, I attacked it, um, you know, with the same mentality I did everything else. Like I'm not more passionate about special teams than any other part of the game, but I'm not also not less passionate, if that makes sense. So like I was told that I was going to be coaching the defensive ends. I said, giddy up, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Um, and, and honestly, I guess the main thing attracted me to it is the challenge of coaching a new position and getting to learn some of the ins and outs of it. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say I was particularly attracted to it. It was the position that was given to me. I was excited to, to be able to attack that challenge. Yeah. Being able to do that, coach different positions on both sides of the ball. I mean, if, if you're able to do that really helps you become a more well-rounded coach. And, you know, if you're coaching defense and you coach on the offensive side of the ball, it gives you a different perspective and vice versa. If you coach defense it helps an offensive perspective. So um, if, if that's a possibility, especially I think when you're early on in your career to be able to coach different positions, I think that's a really good idea. Well, you mentioned well, that you did to coach and D line coach. Did you, did you play the position? Like, well, or? yeah, so I did. Um, I played defensive line um, and offensive line actually in high school, went to a division two school, played defensive in there. And so that's what I felt most comfortable with when I got actually my first job. And this is a whole nother story, but was a vo I volunteered at a high school and they had an, they had, they didn't have anybody coaching outside linebackers. So I got stuck there. Didn't know anything of what, you know, about anything and coach that first year outside linebackers, but I wanted to coach defensive line because I just felt like that was in my wheelhouse. And, and so that next year they moved me over there and was there up until uh, this past season, my role changed here on our current staff, myself and our safeties coach uh, became co-coordinators and, and uh, our, defense awesome. coordinator, our defense coordinator moved on to, to get a head job and he was coaching linebackers. And so I jumped back there because just to have a, a, kind of have a foot in the front end and in the back end of it. And so um, that's, that's where I'm at now, but yeah, I just, I, and I love defensive line. I, I love 
I think that, you know, both aspects, stopping the run and, and getting out the pass are so much fun. And uh, it's just a, it's just a lot of fun coaching it. But kind of like you said, I mean, I love coaching linebackers. It's, it's really, it's just coaching football. And it's the same thing. You know, you're working with kids and it's our guys versus their guys. And we're trying to figure out a way to get a couple stops. And, and so, like you said, I could be happy going over to the offense and coaching running backs. I wouldn't like it as much. Uh, I would miss being on the being on this side, but I could, you know, yeah, I, for sure, I could do it. So, and I think if you're a football coach, that's that's your attitude, you know, like, hey, you could you could put me over coaching wide receivers. Never played it, don't know a lot of the terminology and and all this stuff, but give me a give me a few weeks and I can figure some stuff out and we'll get it going. So a lot of it all comes back to the same stuff, coach. It's movement fundamentals. It's being able to to be powerful. Like whether that means you're you're striking somebody or you're changing direction at wide receiver, like it's all it's all the same stuff, and it's understanding football and being able to to teach it to them and and being able to motivate them and make them a part of the team and and all that stuff. To me, like like honestly, like the two that are different, in my opinion, are offensive line and quarterback. Like that's that's a little bit of a different deal, but all the other positions, man. Like yeah, there's some of the terminology stuff, but like. You know, I, I teach them my defensive linemen a lot of the same stuff I taught running backs, like in terms of again the movement fundamentals, and then like teaching them what the what you see as a running back from a running standpoint, like ball security things. Okay, like now that's how you strip the ball, and vice versa. So, so to me, it's a lot of the same stuff really when it comes down to it. Well, you talked about you're the special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach mm -hmm. there. Uh, and we were talking, you know, previously about how that's kind of a unique thing because, you know, a lot of your defensive ends aren't involved in special teams. So it's really kind of like two separate things almost. Uh, how do you balance your time uh, preparing, you know, special teams, then also preparing your guys on the defensive line? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like the challenge of it, right, um, is when you're special teams coordinator and coaching a different position, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever it happens to be, but in particular, excuse me, um, in particular position on the front, like that can be challenging in terms of time management. I, I think the biggest thing is just to be organized, um, you know, know what you're doing during the day, um, you know, be able to split your time up, but be able to be efficient and fast in what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I think at a certain point too, you need to just, you know, bite it and know that you're you're gonna <laughs> be doing a little more work than everybody else. You're probably gonna end up being in the office later or taking your work home, you know, how, however you end up doing it. But the more efficient and organized, you know, you can be with that time, the the more uh, you know, the better you can be. And and I I would be um remiss to not add like, like we have an awesome defensive tackle coach Naeem Wartman shout out Naeem um shoot you should have him on here he would be great um and, and a guy that I've learned a lot from um you know being going into the you know the d-line room but you know having him to be able to lean on um and then you know uh, another guy who I, I learned a ton learned a ton from in terms of specialist Sam Lenson um who Shout Sam if you have a if you have a specialist um, that needs to get trained in the northern New England area hit Sam up he's the best but you know having having guys like that that I can use as a resource and to lean on um, you know is huge to to be able to get you know my stuff done. So there is I mean because you know with it with with kickoff kickoff return punt punt return extra point field goal 
there, there's so many, like those are all different things, you know, that, that require different, you know, mm-hmm. points of emphasis, language and drills. And so uh, film study, um, what's just, just as a special teams coordinator, what's a typical week of preparation look, fire, look, look like for you just on that end, on the special teams preparation part? Yeah, it really starts early for me, but like Friday, I get a jump on, you know, the next team that we're playing. Um, typically, you know, if I'm able to um, get a guy and, and we had a guy last year, I have a guy Bates going to try to recruit a guy who can do those breakdowns for me. That's super, super helpful. I'll always start looking at their punt return because punt's the most critical play, like get a feel for, for who they are, what their personality is and kind of go through like I have, you know, eight or nine categories for each thing um, that I look at. And really it, it starts now, honestly, I've done it for, you know, all our opponents who have the special teams coordinator coming back, I've mapped out and I've done it for three teams, three teams already. Um, and so I already kind of know the flavor and the personality. And then, you know, I'm checking it and seeing how they changed when, you know, I get to that Friday before the game. Um, you know, if we have a night game on a Saturday, you know, I'll be doing the same thing in the morning on Saturday. Um, you know, Sunday, really want to get in first. You know, obviously it's putting the last game to bed. Um, and then right when we get done with our players around 3 p.m., 4 p.m., I'll rip through the last game that the that our opponent played um, the day before. Um, so watch it every play on special teams, every play on offense for those guys and just – make my notes, um, you know, particularly from a special team standpoint, because I've worked ahead, um, you know, my, my thoughts will have kind of, kind of percolated. And then usually I'll draw up the punt game plan that night on Sunday. Um, you know, typically that's my brain's fried at that point. So I go home, try to get a couple hours of sleep. Um, when I come back, defense will be in the morning. Um, you know, I'll make sure, I have all my stuff kind of set. Um, and then throughout the course of the day, I'll work for their kickoff return is always the, the next one that I'll do. And then punt return and, or sorry, and then their punt and their kickoff um, throughout the course of the day. A lot of times I won't get their punt and their kickoff done um, until the next day but I'll at least have a good idea of where I'm going and start to create like my installs and stuff like that. And then Tuesday we practice punt and punt return. So I make sure in the morning we, we have all that stuff set. Obviously I make sure our defensive ends have their stuff set for their um, afternoon meeting as well, which is what we always do kind of first and second down like a lot of teams do on Tuesdays. Wednesdays for us is kickoff and kickoff return. So again, make sure that whole game plan's finalized. Um, Thursday is always a, a big review day for us. Usually I only get like a five minute meeting for special teams. So just run through all the corrections for the week. Um, Friday is situational stuff for us. So I have a whole checklist that, that we'll go through. Um, and again, I'm starting the next opponent scout that Friday. And then Saturday we, we tee it up and we play. How do you guys personnel your special teams? Are there uh, do, do you have starters or key players on there? Or do you have, you know, maybe some backups on the special teams with starters backing those guys up? How do you, how do you personnel just in general, your special teams? Yeah, typically. So 
I try to be as multiple as possible with, with, with our special teams while keeping it as simple as possible. However, there does have to be a, a, a couple guys who have a lot on their plates, if that makes sense. So I'll try to make it the same two guys on every unit who are not starters on offense and defense, if that makes sense. So those are the guys who are making my stuff look really multiple and really complicated. Um, we'll use starters. We'll use the best players for, for all the other positions as they can by unit. Um, punt, I think, like, like most people would tell you, always, always gets priority because that's the quickest way you can lose a game, right? Like our best 11 players for those roles will be playing on that. Um, and then some other ones, like just depending on like kickoff return, I don't like defensive starters on there. Why? Because they just got scored on. And they're probably out on the field for for nine plays in a row, so it's not really like our our best kickoff return player last year was one of our starting defensive ends, um, really good wedge guy. But like he was great in practice, and he was great early in games, and then later in games, you know, they and just psychologically getting scored on, um, you know. Plus for him, I, I thought he was all right with it, but it was more just like he had just played eight nine plays in a row. Um, you know, just wasn't wasn't as good at it. Um, that's the big one for me that I try to avoid. But as much as I can, get the get the best players on those units because kind of it's it's a it's a football play in a football game. So if you want your best football players on there for it, you know what I mean. Um, but that's yeah, kind yeah. of my my overall philosophy. I, obviously, a lot of that too is dictated by the head coach. Um, fortunately, I have have one that's that's pretty good with that here. I want to kind of just go through a few special teams units just just out of curiosity and talk, you know, in general, general terms about how you're, you know, how you guys are using those or attacking those uh, beginning with kickoff. Um, I love coaching kickoff. It's one of my favorite things to coach. And I think here's what I always tell the guys is, hey, this is a phase of the game that probably when you're when y'all when your kids are playing will not be in the game anymore, at least how it looks like right now. And you're going to tell your kids that you were the, you know, um, oh man, what was the hammer? Or I can't remember the, what, what the, the missile or whatever it was on the, uh, that we used to call it. Anyway, I said, then you're going to tell them you did that. And, and, and you ran down there full speed and, and would go down there and make tackles and stuff like that. But how, how do you, you know, uh, how do you, is it just, we're just going to, we're just going to line up some guys and kick a, kick a touchback every time, or is it strategic and figuring out, you know, is there a hole in the, in the, in the, uh, in the return team where we can maybe get one on the ground? Like how do you attack a kickoff return team and just lay out your kickoff team? Gosh, if we could put it in the, if I could guarantee that we could put it in the end zone every time, I would sleep a lot better on Friday nights. Um, but ideally, but, you know, a lot of us, you know, don't have that ability. We we certainly don't. We'll base out of a, a lefty block. And I'll always give something different every week. Um, whether that's formationally, how we're lining up, whether that's a kick that we give, whether we kick off of the right hash for a week, uh, whether we, we mix up kicking off the left and the right hash. So I, I always want to make sure that, that for all four of the units, from a game plan standpoint, we're going to do something that we haven't put on film previously in the season. Like you're going to have to go back some years to, to find where I've done something that's exactly the same you know it'll be it'll be a small wrinkle here and there but but we'll do something differently whether and again kickoff return might be a twist it might be 
how we're inserting guys. Um, it might be where our safeties are coming from, but we'll always do something a little bit different. And yeah, if you give us a good area uh, where we can pop a sky kick, we can pop a squib, like then we're going to do it. But the big thing is it's really all based on what your specialist can do. Too, though. Um, like anytime I'm game planning, just like his offensive coordinator is, is going to game plan with his quarterback in mind. Okay, what can your what can your specialist do? He's not going to squib. I'm not going to ask him to squib. He can't hit right deep right. Like I'm not going to do that. We'll keep him on the left hash, picking deep left. Or like <laughs> a good story with this is um, when I was my first year as a special teams coordinator at Bates, we were left deep left and we, we kept going with it. Well, our kicker had a two game stretch where he just started slicing it right. And it was ending up in the middle of the field, like not, not good scenarios for the, for the Bates Bobcats. So um, I was just like, well, you're slicing it. We might as well just put you on the right hash and, and have you kick it deep, right? Like, like let's work with the slice. Um, so we ended up doing that. And I actually bet was a pretty beneficial, um, you know, change up for us for that game. So just comes down to, to doing what your, your kickers do best. And again, um, being able to switch something up every week. So, so the other guys guessing what you're going to end up doing. Yeah. Um, oh, it, my, my one year, like I said, when I was a special teams coordinator, we had actually, I guess, two years, uh, we had a kicker who, who is at Georgia now. And so uh -huh. he was the guy that could put it. I mean, it was, it was awesome because, Hey, every, all the, the school board kids, uh, the kids of, of parents who's on the school board, like they got to get beyond kickoff because all they had to do is trot down the field because he's going to put it in the end zone every time. Uh -huh. And when you have a non-dramatic kickoff, like that's the, like you talked about, that's the best thing in the world. Like your special teams coordinator of the year that year, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he kicked a 54 yarder in a game. It was, it was, it was very easy. Now, when you don't have those guys and you got to get creative, then that's when, you know, you're over there white knuckling it a little bit every time and um, trying to figure, like you said, trying to find something, that, you know, a weakness, maybe a kid who's muffed a couple who has the yips or whatever. So uh, let's talk about. And, and like, just, just one, one other. Yeah, point. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And again, like drawing the parallels to offense and quarterbacks, like, if, if you're going to be an elite kickoff unit, if you're going to be an elite punt unit, like you got to have a specialist who's really great. And like, kind of like you were just talking about, like, and just like on offense, like if you're really good at your other spots and you're a really good offensive coordinator and you can move pieces around, like you can end up being all right. But how many offenses that really put up points you know you don't have a good operator back there it's the same thing with your with your kickoff and your punt um and then conversely if you're talking about returners on your return unit it's the same thing you know returners can really great dynamic returners can erase a lot of issues and if you don't have a great guy back there you know it's it becomes really difficult to be able to generate anything back there so just yeah more. absolutely well I, so punt return um, you know, because that's a defensive defensive phase. Um, are you guys keeping your generally keeping your defensive personnel there? Are you subbing some of your D linemen off? And then how do you approach that? I'm sure it's a week by week thing, but um, you know, are you guys setting up a wall? Are you are you are you taking, you know, you manning guys up? Are you holding them up? Jesse James, what you know, what what's your general uh, I guess game plan? Um, you know, again, I know you probably change things each week, but what are some things that you like to do? With punt return. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a wholesale change. Like, like we put our best unit in there um, to be able to generate whatever we're looking for. And, and even more so than week to week, it's again, like, like figuring out what, what you're good at, what the other opponent's deficiencies are. For us, like, like for example, when I was at Bates, you know, our, our talent was a little bit lower. Uh, we didn't have a great returner. So I was like, well, I have a couple guys who can who can move around and who can who can bend. Like, like I can put him on their worst guy. Like and try to be able to generate a, a block. But if we kick it back, I, if we let him kick it, one, I, I know we don't have a very dynamic return. Um, everybody's got to win. The chances of one of our guys getting beat is is pretty high. Um, you know, additionally, I felt like if we were sending guys like and or before I even say that, like the, the specialists weren't as good in that league. So we weren't getting great kicks to be able to return anyway. So why not go after blocks? We can create our, our best matchup to be able to, to be able to make something happen. And um, you know, if we even if we don't get it, a punter, again, just like a quarterback, like he's gonna feel pressure back there. If you're pressuring him, if you have heat in his face, like he's more likely to shank it. Now here at our place, um, you know, I could, it's a, it's a work in progress. I could see us being more return oriented at the same time. Like I, I do like bringing the pressure, um, you know, you're able to dictate more if you're going after kicks rather than hoping you, you get the right kick and then everybody gets blocked the right way. Um, and stuff like that and hoping one guy doesn't get beat. You only got to beat one to, to block it. So my personality generally lends towards that. Um, but gosh, it, it just, it just depends. And, and then, you know, do we have a guy who can really go after and block it again at, at Bates? We, we led the NESCAC in um, blocked punts and it was, it was only two guys who actually got there. One guy got two, the other guy got three. So it's like, do you have, that those one or two guys who can who can really go get it. Do you draw up a different punt block each week just based on the weaknesses of that that punt team that that you're that you're playing? I do, and honestly, that might be something that I'm going to change because I'm like every time we blocked a punt, except for one time, we we situationally we we put an eleven up look and we're able to get one while I was at Bates, um, but every other pump block that I've coached my career. Like I've spent all night drawing up game plans and stuff like that. It was just our guy beat their guy. And we, we, we came after it. So again, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's something that I've been rolling around my brain, but um, you know, more so let's move our really good guys against their really bad guys or their weaknesses and their protection schematically. Um, and let's, let's have an opportunity that way. I'll throw this question out there for guys uh, who maybe um, you know are on the high school level or heck even on the co collegiate level and don't have a great punter. Um, we actually have a really good one here, but I've been places where that was an issue, uh, where sometimes guys keep their quarterback in. You know, maybe they try to quick kick it. Or um, my personal favorite, if I'm on punt, as I love the rugby punt just because it puts a lot of stress on on the defense. And if you have a kid that can do it, I think it's really really good. Um, and and I hate it, you know, if I'm on the defensive side, just because you can't you can't take that play off, you know. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta be gotta be on point on that. Um, but if I don't have a great punter, 
what, what's, what's something I can do? And I know we talked about that. It's like saying, well, if you don't have a great quarterback, well, you just, you're just not going to have a great offense. But I mean, are there some things that you can do to kind of help mitigate that or at least, um, you know, you, you won't be as good, but you can't tap out. I mean, right. Shoot. Right. We got it. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do? Like, yeah. Defense better shut them out. Yeah. Or one time. Right. Um, uh, so, and, and we were in this situation again, my, my going into my second year of Bates, recruited a kid, application deadline passed. Um, Georgia Tech came in late. And then he ended up going there and we were, you know, holding our pod. We, we, <laughs> we didn't have anybody. Um, and we ended up, oh my God, what a nightmare. Playing three different punters that year who were all, all position players, like, like we're playing out on the field. We had a 75-man roster limit. So we didn't have a ton of guys to be able to go to. Um, like what, what I found, is that if you have a bad punter, rugby it, like rugby it, like because it's unpredictable. The block point's going to be different, so you know you aren't coaching that guy to be able to have a good operation. Like it, it's easy to drop a block when you're going to be when that block's going to happen at the same point. It's going to happen at eleven and a half yards, you know, in the a gap, right or left. Like, like it's easy to go after the rugby is a lot harder to be able to go after. Also, it's harder to catch. Like you can hit a 20 yard punt and it can roll 15 yards and, and you can have decent field position. Um, that's what we ended up doing. And, and like, actually, I, I, I kind of feel stupid because like I did a self scout through six games and, um, you know, with our rugby calls versus our in the pocket calls, we were, we were getting like nine more yards of field position, um, you know, per, um, you know, just our, our net punt from doing rugby and it ended up like the rest of the year. We just, you know, ended up doing that, um, you know, the whole whole rest of the game um, or whole rest of the season, excuse me. And, and it was really, really beneficial for us. And, and again, using three different guys, one was a running back, two were safeties. Um, it was good. And then, you know, you have that option too. Like if you hook whoever's off the edge, if you have a kid that you trust, like you better trust them. Like, you know, you can run for nine yards on fourth and seven and get you a first down. So that's always a, a good option to be able to go to. Yeah, it's kind of like um, back before I had kids and I had hobbies and I did stuff. Um, I, you know, playing <laughs> play, play, play golf. Um, you know, I always sucked at at chipping, right? And and so I was just, hey, if I can't, I'm putting because it's easier to control the roll than it is, you know, controlled in the air. And so it's kind of the same thing with this punt. Like, hey, you may have a, a a dinky punt, but if you can get that sucker to roll a little bit, and especially be be between the sideline and the hash. And, and, you know, to where it's not in the middle of the field, then that's, that's, it's hard to handle. Um, you know, it could bounce off somebody. You could get, you could get lucky there. And that's kind of, uh, like you said, you just, you sort of make the most of it and it can end up working out for you. So even if you have a, even if you have a good punter, but he struggles with the, the punk going in the, the yeah. corner. Yeah. Pull him out, have him hit it on the ground. There's a lot yeah. less room for error on that yeah. and, and easier for your gunners to to be able to, to find it and down it too. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all see, and you may not on, on your level, but we see it a lot up here and we have to have a game plan for it every week is just guys getting in the gate, um, you know, for their extra point. I mean, that's kind of a high school thing, at least down here. Um, I, you know, there's not a lot of colleges doing that, but do y'all ever see anything like that or anything creative from your extra point team that you guys yeah. have to get ready for? Oh no, we definitely do, and that was our that was our head coach, our old head coach, um, our previous head coach. Um, you know, retired after this last season. Um, was here for twenty three years, fourteen straight like 
uh, unbelievable. But I, I swear his favorite thing was the swing gate field goal. He would draw up the scout cards for our field goal block to, to go against it. And he would be like, he'd be kind of mad when it beat him, but then he would be kind of happy too because he was he was drawing up crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, but, but it's just rule-based for us. Um, D-line finds the, the five ineligible guys. You go with those guys. Um, the rest of them disperse and, and cover um, the rest of the, the eligible guys. That's the easiest way that I can explain it to you without, you know, having diagrams and stuff like that. But yeah, we so we can cover all the all the wacky goofy formations for sure. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you can just, you know, obviously you have to rep it and just make sure you guys. First of all, because the biggest thing is they just got scored on. They can't pout. They got to get lined up. And if they'll just get lined up, then you know they'll count and see that that that, that they don't have an advantage numbers wise, and then they'll they'll line up and kick it. And so, um, you know, then it's then it's no big deal. But yeah, it is a can be a stressful thing to get ready for to prepare for, um, especially again with us when you're dealing with high school kids trying to to get lined up to some of that. Uh, so just and the biggest thing that that we tell our guys too is like the the field goal and particularly the extra point block that shows the character of your team more than anything, right? Because it's can you get back up off the mat? Can you get off? Can you play this play hard? Even though there's a there's a low probability that we're going to generate something positive for us, but, but my gosh, if you can get a block on one of those plays, that's huge for you. Are you you going to pout? Is it going to be a, a low effort play? Just going to go whatever. Let's get to the bench. Let's get some water after a long drive. Um, so that's been. I think that's something that that that'll kind of is able to hit the guys home in terms of motivating them for that field goal extra point blocking. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, so in your uh, time as a special teams coordinator, um, are there any rules concerning special teams that you would like to to see changed or that if you could, you would change? Um, you alluded to it earlier in terms of the kickoff. Um, it, it stinks they're kind of trying to legislate it out of the game. Um, Particularly with the the fair catch, like you have teams who are, are you know not even trying to to play that play, um, which, which stinks. So if there's if there's going to be one, it would be it would be the fair catch on kickoff. So what would your what would your change be? So that the fair catch does not like if they because right now it's if you fair catch it wherever you fair catch it it brings it out to the twenty five. So so yeah. you you would get rid of that just all together. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And if you fair catch on the 35 or catch a sky kick, because that does get come into a player safety issue. Like if you're just standing under and catching on the 35, someone could, you know, put his helmet through your through your trachea. Um, but you know, if you're if you're standing back deep, like can you fair catch on the two and puts the ball down the two, like play the play. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll circle back and ask you about some 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 more special team stuff and maybe some overtime stuff in our rapid fire. Uh, segment there because you are a uh, a a Buffalo Bills fan. I would say long suffering, and I guess that's a correct term. The long suffering Buffalo Bills fan. Although the last few years have been uh, a little bit easier to to watch, um, but we're not going to jump to that yet. Let's talk about some D line stuff. So um, you know, and, and switch gears here. And, and we, we talked about what your week looks like of preparation as far as special teams go. Now I'll switch over to defensive line. What's a typical game week like uh, as far as preparation goes? for you when it comes to getting your defensive line guys ready? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, we talked about it on Sundays. Okay, watch the whole 
previous game from, from the Saturday to, to start to finish, get the personality of the team, um, what their personnel, what their personnel is like, like what plays are they really trying to run? Like what's, what's their wheelhouse? Um, how are they trying to run it first and foremost? How are they trying to, trying to throw the ball? Um, you know, what formations do they like? Is there a backfield tendency? Is there something with the way that, that their guys are lining up? Um, you know, when, when we get into the Monday, you know, we'll have our game plan meetings and stuff like that. But the things I'm looking for specifically are like, what is, what does the box look like for our guys and what type of plays are we getting? If we're getting a tailback and a yo tight end at the same time to the same side, okay, are we getting duo? Are we getting, you know, inside zone, um, with the guy trying to dig out, are we getting a lot of zone read with the, with the yo? Um, you know, arcing, like, like what kind of play structures are, are we getting if he's under center? You know, if it's an inline tight end, back away. All right, is it outside zone? Are we just getting, you know, inside zone read? Like, like what, are we, what are we getting specifically out of those different um, formations? I mean, that's, a, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for. And then specifically to, you know, the offensive tackles in particular, obviously being the, being the defensive ends coach. Um, you know, just being able to go through and get their tendencies, what they've been beat on, what they look like when they're throwing, what they look like when they're passing, you know, play action versus, you know, outside zone, you know, versus inside zone versus all the rest of that stuff. So really it's about personnel and formation tendencies. And then that, that's another, like we have our players fill out sheets on Mondays, Mondays, our players day off Tuesday, Tuesday could come in. So they have a sheet full uh, of different observations on the, on the opponent. And it's really cool to go over that with them when they come in um, on Tuesdays. I'd really encourage you to do that. First of all, it lets me know how, how they're seeing the game and how much stuff they've done. But also sometimes it's like, I, I have one guy in particular who, you know, no coincidence, he was an All-American this last year, who was super perceptive and picked up on stuff on film that sometimes I would miss. So it was really good just being able to to know the way that they saw it. And sometimes like I, I would get stuff and tell our coaches that it sounds smart. <laughs> um, but he really he was really the guy who was was finding that there. So uh, you know that was that was pretty good. And then you know just as the week goes on, um, being able to find different things. I think the thing that, that I did that I really liked on Fridays, um, day before the game too. Like we would go through all our typical notes and reminders and stuff like that, and just talk about all the stuff that we had done the day the, before. Um, but we would always watch all the all the times that the opponent got the ball taken away from him, and all the time they got sacked. Um, and as it got longer in the year, like we would just watch like the last four games of sacks or whatever. Um, but it, it kind of did two things. You know, first and foremost, it, it showed him where their weak points are. Like we're trying to take the ball away first and foremost, and then obviously we like sacks too. Um, but it also built a level of confidence. You know, I would I would try to make whoever we were playing seem like the Alabama Crimson Tide, um, you know, on Monday and Tuesday. And then by the time the game started to go around, kind of build their confidence back up and, you know, get them ready to play the game. So um, I like doing that on, on Fridays in terms of maybe something that's, that's a little bit unique and a little bit fun for the guys. As a coach, how do you approach film study? Um, is it one of those things where you're kind of filtering everything out by play, by personnel grouping, um, you know, by maybe who's touching the ball. Like, how do you, maybe you watch full games. Like I, I've, 
like once we kind of get into the week, we've got our breakdown in. I really do like going back and just watching the whole game because you have to have context with stuff, right? Like if you're just, you just filter out the offense, you don't really get, okay, why, you know, on this first down, did they come out and, and, and take a shot here? Well, it's because they just got a, their defense got a turnover. You know, you I mean, you got to be able to watch and know, you know, what, where they are in the game. I think that's really important to go back and watch complete games. Um, obviously you can kind of buzz through some of it, but, um, how, how do you approach game uh, game film study during the week? For sure. And that's why I like watching the last game that they played in full. Um, and then you get some of the context, too, of like, oh, but 74 was playing in this game at left tackle, but 55 is playing in this game. Uh, okay, but like, I, I can know, well, he played, you know, 74 was a left tackle last game, so he's probably playing. And then he can go back through and, you know, look through – look through the different things, but at least you know who, who the guy was in the last game and, and all that type of stuff. But um, it's mostly cut-ups after the Sunday. Um, honestly, typically, you know, I'll take out first and second down, you know, no red zone, and then go, you know, 11 personnel and then by formation. And again, you know, seeing specifically where the back is in relation to the tight ends or, you know, where the back is in relation to the field or the passing strength and, and what have you. Um, go through all the first and second downs, kind of, you know, make our sheets off of that. And same thing for, for our third downs and the same, same thing for the red zone. Um, you know, situationally watch specifically, you know, your two minute, your black zone. Uh, I'm trying to think about, I'm, I'm forgetting anything. Um, and to be able to, to show them, like typically I'll show that on Fridays. I'll give them a whole two minute drive, give them calls, have them think, put them in that situation. Um, but watch all those things situationally so I can get, you know, the, the flavor, the personality of, of who that team is and who that offensive coordinator is, um, you know, as you go through that stuff situationally. But typically, like the one full game that I'll, I'll watch is that one from the, from the previous week. And, you know, maybe if I have some questions, I'll go back to and watch one or two others. But, but more often than not, after the Sunday, I'm just working off the cutouts. Yeah, yeah. Do you give your guys like a hard copy scattering report or is it something that you give to them digitally or is it through cutups or how do you, how do you do that? Mostly through cutups. I give them last year, I gave them three sheets. It was like a personnel report and then what they did by formation and then like daily third down red zone. Like I'll give them another sheet. Um, but then like, I'll have it, I'll have a digital version for them as well. And most of it's just watching the cutups and being able to to explain it to them. Um, you know, don't don't try to kill kill too many trees. But I know some of the guys do like it, and they'll write their notes. You know, right on the um, scouting report too. So it's almost been good for that. So they make sure that they have a a notepad and something else that they can go back and, and reference to. So I haven't gone completely away from the scouting report, but but certainly no. 30 pager like you might have gotten back in the day either. Yeah, yeah. I I same thing. Try to limit the paper because it usually ends up on the floor and it pisses me off. Um, and I know if it's something they can look at on their phone, there's a greater chance of them looking at it, right? Um, and so if it's something that I can put on, we you know, we, we use Huddle, uh, something I can put on Huddle or I can share with them, like we're a Google school, so we have Google Drive, so I can put on Google Drive and share them with it that way, then I know that that at least 
you know, they, there's no excuse, right? Oh, well, I lost it or, or whatever. When, One when thing that I had our guys do that I thought was, was pretty neat and might be able to help you is there's a, it's an NC State learning types, uh, like, um, I don't know if they call it a survey or a quiz or whatever else, um, but it, it's, it's pretty quick. It, it takes like between five and 10 minutes. And I had all our guys take it. Um, and it really gave you some good insight into how they learn. For me, is it and kind of how I treat the groups differently? Like if I'm if I'm talking in front of the whole team and I'm the special teams coordinator and I got 50 guys in a meeting, I'm gonna try to hit like every possible different way to learn. Cause I know there's probably at least one or two guys in there that fit. But then, you know, defensive end group, you know, we had six guys in our room. So it it really allowed me to cater like what we were doing to, to where they were, you know, the, the majority of my room were, were kinesthetic um, heavy with, with, as you might expect from, you know, athletes. So, so we would, I would do as much as we could in, in a walkthrough setting, especially when we're installing stuff and, and things of that nature. Um, but a couple of guys, shoot, I, I'm forgetting what it is right now. Like, like particularly learn from writing things down and like seeing it on the page. So I wanted to make sure at least I gave them something where they could see it on a page and they could write over it if they wanted to, to help them learn. And I had two guys in particular like that. So if I was doing it for two guys, I was going to do it for the whole group. Um, and, you know, I sent it to them on their phones too, but, you know, being able to cater to, to what your group learns best by, um, you know, I think is really important. And, and obviously figuring out what that is is the first step. So again, it's an NC State learning quiz. I think if you just type that in Google, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll come up. It was a really useful, interesting tool uh, for me to see, for me to be able to see on our guys. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, and, and that's something I'm gonna have to check out for sure because um, you know, we we do that, you know, if you're a teacher in a classroom, you're gonna you're gonna do that. And and so obviously, you know, it's it's the same, the same dynamic. You know, you're you're trying to get these guys to learn something and and so being able to uh hit them in the best way that's going to be the most beneficial and efficient way for them. That's, I think that's, that's always good. So when you're watching film after a game with your guys, I, I think you said, are you going through the whole game from start to finish or do you pick out the top, you know, whatever plays or you make a cut up? How, how do you, how do you guys go through that game? When I'm watching it with, 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 with your the, guys. Um, yeah. Um, so I cut it up. I cut it up. It's all by formation and top plays. Um, so you can see exactly what they're what they're gonna see and what they gotta stop. Like I tell them they gotta watch the, you know, they should be watching the full games on their own, uh, like individual me. And again, like we only had 35 or 40 minutes or something like that. So, you know, we had to hit, you know, exactly what we had to hit. So, you know, I'm always trying to show them, you know, first the top runs out of each formation and then like the top ways that that they're protecting um for those. And in particular again, Tuesdays, first and second down. Wednesdays, third down, Thursdays, red zone. Um, so we we were able to break it down that way. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's all cut ups, and you know the biggest thing for me is I'll I'll give them a I'll give them a call so to see themselves in that. Okay, it's a base call. Here's how we're reacting when you know we get a tackle going down, we get an arc from the tight end. Here's where my eyes should be. Here's what we're seeing. Here's how we're reacting, um, and and going through it that way, so they know exactly what they're going to see from each formation, and they can 
they can kind of see it as they watch the film. What about like the Sunday after a game, Saturday game? Are you bringing those guys in to show them? Are you guys watching the whole the whole game from the previous day, uh, or do you cut that up as well? How do you handle that? Just depends on how many plays we get. We we played a game where we had you know over a hundred plays, so I cut that up because I knew I don't know we wasn't going to be able to get through all of it. Um, now again, having defensive ends, that's where it's a that's where it's a little bit easier because it's a small group. Um, you know. Like there are some plays where you can just go through really fast, um, you know, for for whatever reason. It, it quick game balls out right now. Not not a whole lot to talk about sometimes, um, but especially when I was coaching DBs and I had all four of those guys in the room. Like I was cutting that up every time because I knew, like, there were thirty five plays that were super critical that we talk about in depth and, and that they understand. So um, I just told them to, to watch the rest of it on their own and. If you're in that case, the, the thing that I always did is I put notes on it. If you're in huddle, super easy to do. Um, you know, you can just put the notes on there and they can they can read through it. Like when I was at Buffalo State, we were a Monday meeting operation. Um, so we their players day was the Sunday off. Um, so I would put all those notes on it on the Sunday and they would all come in and they already knew like, <laughs> exactly you know, what they were going to get yelled at and what they were going to get praised for on the day. Because um, they'll, like, everywhere I've been, like, guys would do different levels of work in terms of scouting their opponent, but all, all of them guys, like, watching themselves on film. So, you know, if you put notes on there, they'll they'll watch it. Yeah, that's, that's how I have to handle ours just because of kind of really just time constraints. You know, it's mm -hmm. a quick turnaround from a Friday night to if we bring them, you know, we bring them in Saturday morning. Um, and, and so that's how I do it is I'll, I'll make a cut up of kind of like you said, like the most critical plays with notes so I can send those, um, so they can, they can see it, but then also it's there when we are, uh, we're watching it. And a lot of times if we're all watching it together, I'll just turn off the annotations, you know, where you can't see them. So you're not stopping it every time and, and be able to just go through it that way, because you're trying to go through a whole game from start to finish. It, it's that, that can, that can, you can get bogged down really quick. Uh, uh, doing that, so um, no well, especially if you don't know exactly the points that you're trying to coach, and you're like trying to watch and like, oh, what happened here? Um, yeah. The, the other thing that I've done, which has been kind of cool, is if you uh, if you record it on Zoom and you get the you get the screen share and you send it to the guys, like that's another way. Or yeah, you can save the time, or if you don't have the meeting time, um, you know, you're able to do it. So you know, if that's something that's useful for you. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's funny zoom, uh, two years ago or maybe two and a half years ago, no one knew about it. Now, um, as coaches, we've all been on it. We all use it, you know, extensively. I think a lot of us anyway. Um, and, and it has become a really useful tool as far as that goes. So yeah, I hadn't, hadn't even thought about that as, as recording myself going through, um, maybe that'll make it a little bit easier for them to, uh, you know, not get their feelings hurt or something if it's on if it's on a Zoom or if right. they can, uh, uh, you know, fast forward it or something. Well, you feel a little bit weird being on a Zoom by yourself, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, yeah, that's all right. You know, we're all we're all a little bit weird in some ways. And speaking of, that's gonna you know we we've uh, we got a whole you have a whole pass rush presentation that we could jump into that we could we haven't even gotten to tonight. And um, I'm gonna give you a chance when when you know when we're done here. Uh, if you do want to share that or talk about it, you know, if guys want to hit you up about that, I'll, you know, they'll, they'll have your contact information. They can get that from you because mm -hmm. I know, like I said, 
that could be a whole separate podcast episode. Um, but I do want to um, want you know before we close out tonight to put you uh, put you through the ringer a little bit, ask you some uh, some rapid fire questions to close sure. out the uh, conversation. So, Coach, you uh, you cool with that? Absolutely. Okay. Well, we are. You already mentioned Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, we're fresh off the draft. You know, hope springs eternal this time of year for every team. Um, looking into 2022 season, what's your uh, what's your feeling about the Buffalo Bills this year? Super Bowl boss, right? Gotta I mean, be. you think uh, it's got to be? Yeah, I, I, I shoot, I hope so. That was the best part about not coaching in in 2020 because of COVID. Is that was their their real breakout year? So at least I got to to watch them like a fan. But no, it's been cool to see, you know, the guy that the guy that everybody hated on when he got picked in the first round, uh, you know, Josh Allen, be the be a real embodiment for the city of Buffalo in terms of like tough, gritty guy, came out of nowhere. Um, you know, obviously unbelievably talented, but um just from a personality standpoint, really, really represents our city well. So it's been cool to see. Hopefully, you know. We can see a Super Bowl in my lifetime here. It'd be nice if it was this year. Yeah, and you got you know a, a Texan uh, on your team now and a free agent deal, Von Miller. So that's that's uh, to 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 go with that defensive line. Another Texan, Ed Oliver. So that D oh, yeah. line is um, is uh, is going to be pretty stout, pretty nasty. You talked about growing up uh, a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, I feel like I know a lot of the old Buffalo Bills when I was a kid because you know those 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 Super Bowl battles with the Cowboys. In fact, my little brother, I'm almost ashamed to say it, um, in typical little brother fashion, didn't want to be like everybody else. I don't know if you did this as a kid, but like, you know, we would get the uh, football uniforms for Christmas, like the plastic helmet and the pads and the jersey. Yeah. And and so we had we had an Oilers one because we were close to Houston and a Cowboys one. But we were pretty much Cowboys fans because, you know, everybody, you know, they, they were good. But my little brother got a Buffalo Bills uniform and we had that probably until a few years ago when my parents finally got rid of it but as a kid when you were growing up who were some of your favorite buffalo bills that you remember gosh uh drew bledsoe is the one that that comes immediately to mind you know he helped lead us to to some degree of relevancy i'm i'm too young to really remember the super bowl years um aaron shovel another texan from tcu um was a was a, a pass rusher that uh, really really stood out to me. Takeo Spikes um, when he came over as a free agent for for the Bengals. Eric Molds was a was a big guy growing up. Fearless Price, Travis Henry was a lot of fun to to watch run the ball. Um, but shoot, those were some those were some lean dark years. Maybe Brian Mormon as the punter. He was you know the best player by position um, on those teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it's proof that I really do love football because I stuck with it despite watching a lot of really bad football. Yeah, yeah. for a lot of years, but it, it comes back around eventually. That's right. That's right. Yeah. See, I remember um, when I was a kid, um, you know, Jim Kelly. Obviously, uh, you had Thurman Thomas. Uh, you had, um, I think they had. He was a punt returner. Don Beebe, I think, was his, mm-hmm. who it was. Steve Nasker, um, greatest special teamer ever. Yeah. Um, oh man, who is the receiver? Uh, Andre Reed. Andre Reed. Yeah, I kept wanting to say Andre Risen, but that was uh, Atlanta Falcons. Andre Reed, uh, because again, being an Oilers fan as a kid, there was that game. I think it was it was at the AFC Championship where they were losing to the Oilers by like 
It was a wild card game. Yeah, wild card game. That's what it was. And the Bills came back and won it. And again, that was really before I was old enough to really follow football. But I remember that happening and 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 that being a big deal. But um, yeah, those uh, those Buffalo teams uh, in the early '90s uh, really solid as well. And it's funny because you talk about Takeo Spikes. We had a few weeks ago um, guy Shad Williams, who's now a strength coach at Oregon, uh, who who played for the Bills uh, a little bit when 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 Spikes was there. He was there with Travis Henry. Uh, I guess Marshawn Lynch was was there uh, in, in Buffalo for a little while, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, he talked about getting hit by Takeo Spikes, you know, going up against him and in, in, uh, in practice. And obviously that was not a that lot of fun. That dude's neck was thick now. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if anybody, if anybody's too young to remember, just Google Takeo yeah. Spikes. Yeah, yeah. His neck comes out past his head. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, okay, so so you are a, uh, I guess, is it Orchard Park? Is that is that the, the, the correct location? Okay, yes. so I've never been to Orchard Park, New York, so play the uh, the role of – you know, Chamber of Commerce president or whatever. If I'm, if I'm coming to Orchard Park, tell me the sites and the places I need to go and see. And and of course, you got to tell me the, the the best eating places. Give me the kind of the uh, Chamber of Commerce tour for Orchard Park, New York. Well, I mean, One Bills Drive. Um, you know, going to yeah, I think it's Highmark Stadium now. They 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 keep changing the name on me, and I can't can't keep track of it. Um, but you know, that's obviously a, a place to go see sitting right next to it is the big tree in um if you want to catch a, a, a old bills players there or a current bills player they they always go into there great chicken wings good little spot like i said jim kelly still frequents it down there shoot orchard park it, the the funny thing about it is it's just like it's just a, it's not a huge town we're, we're just about 20 minutes south of the actual city of buffalo but you know, the one thing that, that sits pretty close to it um, in the town of East Aurora is the Barbell Tavern, which has the best chicken wings on the planet. Um, so I think when you come to Buffalo, you know, that's the number one thing that, that you want to come and be able to get in. Um, you know, a lot of other nice little restaurants, you know, ton of stuff to do in the city. Unbelievably fun city. Niagara Falls isn't too far away. Um, but I, I would think Priority one would be to find some some buffalo wings. So Barbell's the place to go for that. Yeah, um, I, is is I yeah, I would imagine you know it's like Texas or you know barbecue in Texas or, or Mexican food in Texas. I mean, you got to go to you got to get wings in Buffalo, right? Like, is is there a um, besides just the typical buffalo sauce flavor? So, like, is there a, do you have a, a flavor that you like particularly? No, there are a lot of good ones, but the the buffalo is a classic, and that'll that'll always be the go to. Um, okay, so next question. Now you're in New Hampshire. Um, give me a feel for the uh, uh, the vibe in New Hampshire. What's that like? I've never been up there. Like, what is it? Is it like what's the what's the vibe up there? Shoot, the vibes are immaculate. Um, I don't know. I just like saying that. Um, no, it's cool. Um, the the neat thing about where we are is the state's mostly landlocked, but we're right near um, the seacoast. I actually live in Massachusetts. Um, just about a half hour away from campus, but I'm about a 10 minute walk from the ocean. So that's pretty great. Um, great seafood. If you're ever, if you're ever into um, wanting to go find some seafood, it's a great place to be for that. Cool thing about our, our place is that we have a ton of support. I mean, 
you know, people really come out for the University of New Hampshire and really, really love it, um, the people in our state. So that's pretty cool. Everywhere you drive around in the state, you see the, the UNH flags and the bumper plates and, you know, they, they come out for our games too. Um, but it's a neat place. And, and you know, I, I've only been here for a little over a year now. Um, you know, I came right before the, the COVID spring season. Um, so, you know, looking forward to, to really being able to explore this place a little bit more, um, you know, here in the summer. But, you know, great mountains right near the ocean, um, a lot of great wildlife stuff. So looking forward to checking that out this summer. Okay, so here's here's another another question for you. Um, again, shifting gears a little bit. What is your favorite football movie? You mentioned Rudy uh, and kind of, you know, maybe relating to that character a little bit. Favorite football movie? Oh, Friday Night Lights, without the shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, read that book in middle school. Um, was was crazy about it. You know, uh, I've probably read that book at least five or six times, you know, in my lifetime. Um, you know, just did it for the last time. Um, you know, or the most recent time, I should say, probably not the last time I'll, I'll, I'll read it um, during COVID there. Um, but then that movie came out right before my senior year of high school. And, you know, I, I just felt like like that movie was so like authentic and real to the to the high school experience. And the fact that they lost, like, like you know, most most people end up losing, like, like you know, at, at some, you know, to end their high school career. Um, so that really struck me as kind of a uh, a neat, like real movie. Like remember the Titans and, and a bunch of those movies were awesome, but you know, something about like, again, the ending and shoot, that's how my football career ended too in the, in the state semifinals and gut-wrenching fashion. So, you know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a, a for, forecasting um, how things were gonna end up going. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love that movie. That's a, that's one that, and that's one that I watch, you know, the day, the night before the season opener every single year. That's a, that's a must. Yeah. I, um, I remember going and watching that. I guess I was in college when the movie came out. Now, again, I, I found the book in our high, in our middle school library. I was like, you know, I had football players on it. I, I'd heard of it, but I, and then I pick it up and just kind of started thumbing through it. I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm reading this. And I guess yeah. the, the second one, second place would be Waterboy. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a yeah, great cops. one. That's, a, that's incredible. That's a, that's a great one. Yeah. Talking about Friday night lights, you know, I remember walking out of the movie theater with my buddies and you, and it's not like one where you're like, I mean, we kind of walked out. It was like, we had just lost that game with them. You know, you're like, man, man, it was so close. You can, you can really, you, you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every time I watch it, I'm like, I'm, 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 I know it's not, but I'm like, Hey, the backup running backs, not going to forget his helmet. And they're going to have to send Bobby Miles out into the meaningless point of the part of the game. You know, he's not going to get hurt. They're going to go and win the state championship, but uh, obviously doesn't happen. I, I think you probably know this, but you know, the real Bobby Miles is an extra in that movie in the background. A couple, actually, I think in the locker room when, um, when he's trying to come back or he's trying to, you know, of that, of that game, the, the real Bobby Miles is in the background. So uh, that's, that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool part of that story too. Waterboy is is a is a great underrated football movie. I would say the Mud Dogs, right? Isn't that isn't that what they are? The, the SCLSU, baby. Yeah, SCLSU. Yeah, yeah. Great, great movie there. Okay, so in the uh, in the in the, the spring, you know, guys are you know they're 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 reading books. Maybe they're visiting 
other staffs. They're 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 watching videos and stuff, doing different things to try to to uh, get better at, at coaching. What are some things? Maybe maybe it's a book you've read, or maybe it's a a speaker you heard, or something that you've done. You know, this this spring or within the last calendar year that you've really enjoyed. It's kind of helped you grow as a coach. That you would uh, be willing to share with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself an elite R and D coach, as in rip off and duplicate. Um, you know, I've, everything that I've gotten um, or I've done is pretty much come from somebody else. And, you know, maybe other than a, a personal experience, something that, again, I, I, I stole from somebody else, a guy by the name of Chris Smith. He's the offensive coordinator at Holy Cross. Now I worked, I had the chance to work with the New Haven is he always comes up with a couple of questions every off season, um, you know, things that, that he had issues with and, and he goes and he asks everybody, that he comes in contact with, who's an offensive line coach. Um, and so actually, but, but let me ask you this, because this is one of mine, hand placement. Like, how do you how do you drill it? What's something that you've come up with that, that's really good? Or you've heard from somebody that you've had mm-hmm. on yeah. the podcast to, to keep tight hands, thumbs up, because that's something that, that we really struggle with with our group. Yeah, I, um, I always say tit and pit. Okay. Um, so with with their gap hand being on their armpit there, there's always like that little, uh, like half moon pad kind of right over their armpit. That yeah, I yeah. say like, that's where we're aiming towards. And then our inside hand is on that chest plate. Now I do they, do, do they always land there? No. But I think if you give them something like, you know, it's kind of like the whole, the quote from the, uh, the Patriot aim small, miss small. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that line, but yeah, uh, I think sure. if you give them something to aim towards or to aim at, then, then, they're, they're better than if you just say, get your hands on their chest. Well, there's a lot of different places. I know some guys like the, uh, you know, up closer to the V of the neck. Um, but I've always just said tit and pit. And, and so, um, there's a lot of different things will work, you know, to, to do that, whether it be just working on punching, you know, sometimes we'll go fast hands, just not even, not even getting a grab, just working on hand speed. And then we'll have, you know, start a lot of, a lot of our drills are on fitted up in a fit position, you know, with their face in their chest. Uh, and then they're punching, getting separation. So, um, but yeah, I, I like doing things that rhyme or saying things that rhyme or finding a way because then they just always remember. Um, and so that's that's my answer for that tit and pit. So I, I like tit and pit. I'm, that's stolen. Yeah, there you go. Don't, <laughs> yeah, even, that, don't, don't even give me credit because I stole it from somebody else. So, and I don't even remember who. It but was. as far as far as I know, you made it up. So that's yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> um, no, that, that that's awesome. I'm I'm very into things, things that rhyme as well. Um, <laughs> I would say I, I I made a couple trips. Honestly, what I did that was maybe at least from a D line standpoint, I I one trip in particular just really um, got a ton of special team stuff from. But one thing that was maybe a little bit unique that I was able to do this off season is. Um, Buddy that I worked with at Wagner, um, by the name of Steve Siasi, he's a big Twitter guy. A lot of people have probably heard of him. Um, but I worked with him at Wagner, and he was the D-line coach there. Um, I was able, actually able to get him to, to come up to our spring practice. And, you know, he talked with our line coach a lot too, but, you know, had him watch what we were doing, watch our practice, and, and was able to get some, like, cool insights from a guy who coaches offensive line now. Um, did coach defensive line is actually our special teams coordinator there as well. Um, so in terms of being able to get a guy who sees it from the other side and be able to actually watch your operation, um, got some really 
interesting insights into like things that we could do better, ways to beat different blocking schemes with, with you know, kind of our setup already, ways to beat different techniques um, that offensive linemen do, things that like, you know, as offensive line coach gave him issues and things that he saw from like our guys from a body type perspective that, you know, could, could help us going forward. So I think if you have that opportunity and you, you, you have somebody that you know from another staff who you don't necessarily play, you know, who coaches opposite position of you, you know, have them, especially if they've coached your position too, like have them kind of watch your operation and give you some feedback. You can, you could learn some really valuable stuff about what you're doing. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, uh, great idea. And, and, you know, to be able to reach out to guys on the other side of the ball and, and just have them view, you know, what you're doing from a different perspective, because, you know, um, they're going to see things that you don't see just because they're seeing the game differently. So I think that's, that's great advice. Um, well, coach, we had a, a lot of fun talking with you today and just want to uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and, and, uh, and sharing uh, some knowledge with us. Um, and we had no idea how much of it uh, was ripped off or duplicated and how much was um, 100%. You know, original. So, Hey, we're just going to say it's all from you. And, uh, and uh, just uh, appreciate you coming on. I want to wish you guys the best of luck in 2022. Appreciate the opportunity, man. This is a lot of fun. Appreciate Coach McLaughlin for joining us on the podcast today. I really uh, enjoyed our conversation today, particularly our discussion on special teams. We don't cover that enough on this podcast, and I thought uh, he had some really insightful information for us today. So once again, thanks to Coach McLaughlin. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Coach G underscore, and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. You can also follow us at KYPD Podcast, and we are always looking for great guests to bring on the show. So if you have a coach you think we should have on and you can put us in contact with them, then by all means, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can send us a DM or you can email us at kypdpodcast at gmail.com. Another way you can support our show is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving us a review that goes a long way in helping spread the word about our podcast here so again if you're liking what you're hearing on the podcast then let the world know by giving us a five-star rating and a review our quote of the day goes like this you cannot impart what you do not possess man i love that quote i came across it in our coaches outreach bible study that our staff does over here uh, each week. And, and it did check me pretty good because, you know, it sounds a lot like another quote that I've heard before, and that is, they won't be what they don't see. Uh, so if I want my kids or players or other people following me to possess a certain characteristic or trait, then I better be doing that myself. Otherwise, there's no way I can pass that along to them. So anyway, a, a great reminder there for all of us. And with that, we will close out this episode of the podcast and get on up out of here. Have a great week. You high school coaches, hang in there. The end is in sight. You college guys out on the road recruiting, good luck. Enjoy your week. Oh, yeah, and Coach McGoggin has one more thing for you guys before we sign off here today. And you might want to turn your volume down because he gets a little aggressive. But Coach McLaughlin, what you got for these guys? Keep your pants down! <laughs>